We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys, week six, bankroll challenge, live build show. I brought in a man who wakes, a man who bakes, a man who rakes. It's my personal style icon. You know him over at ETR, Andrew Swaggy Wiggins. How are we doing, buddy? Good, man. That that Road Grinders music gets me pumped up, so I'm, I'm feeling ready to build some some winning lineups here. I know. I feel like you're you know, like a heavyweight boxer strutting into the ring with that music there. Uh, how's this season been going for you? You got the, the weekly recaps over on ETR. You added the Wake and Rake show in the morning. It sounds like you're having a good year so far. Yeah, I mean, taking the nation by storm with this new show, Wake and, wake and Bake, Wake and Rake. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's been good, man. I've been winning, so that's fun. Yeah. Last year there was there was not as much winning, so uh, you know it's always fun. it's a lot easier to do those recap videos when you actually had a winning week. Last week's like every damn week I lost and I had to get up, make the video, be like, okay, this is why I suck at DFS. Uh, thanks for paying me your money. We'll see you next week. But uh, yeah, it's been a lot smoother this year. Well, the, that is the funny thing. Like last year, I did all my recaps and I just ate shit week after week, <laughs> and I'd come on drunk and tilting and screaming, and people loved it. And this year, I've been winning. I'm a little bit more smug, a little more condescending, and people are like, "I don't like this." But for you, I think people want to see Andrew Wiggins win and talk about winning all of the time because I don't. You don't strike me as someone that's just going to tilt your face off when you lose. No, it was just more like getting beaten down. But I did think that people, you know, if you're losing too, it's probably good to hear another person losing just to make you feel a little bit better. So there's always that. But I think, I mean, most of our stuff at Established Run this year has been pretty good. So I think a lot of our subs are doing well. been seeing screenshots. So, yeah, it's just more fun across the board when everyone's winning. We have, it seems like, you know, last year I was always wrestling with the play the best plays angel and my galaxy brain devil. This year it seems like playing the best plays is largely winning out in that battle. Yeah, Levitan tried so hard to go complete Galaxy Brain this last week, and I was just in his ear. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. And then he ended up hedging, which is so unlike him. Uh, and and his Galaxy Brain lineup was terrible, so I got a kick out of that. I know he was. You had to talk him into playing Brandon Cooks, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, just well, play the good plays, man. Yeah, I love Levitan now. You know, becoming a, a single entry GPP guy, hand building <laughs> his lineups, trying to crack this code. How hard is it to get out of that? mindset of being a cash game guy because i know you focus on that as well and then putting in some of those galaxy brain plays that make your stomach churn yeah i talked about this on my review maybe two weeks ago because with basketball 
I only play one lineup and I run it in tournaments. So I think I've trained myself over the years, maybe if there's a 2v2 to take the one that's a little bit off the board. And that doesn't seem to work very well in football. And there's no reason to do it when I'm running separate lineups for cash and GPP. So I've been trying, when I get down to those 2v2s, just play the one that I know is going to be more owned because it's probably more owned for a reason. And like I, it came down to, to Mahomes and CEH versus Watson and Zeke last week for, for me on FanDuel. And I had them projected really close. I knew the Watson side would be higher owned. So I just leaned into that and I did it and it worked. So that, that was a nice feeling. But as far as building tournament lineups, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not something I'm great at. So I'm working on it, but I, I like playing the smaller, like 200 man ones where you can make some small pivots off your cash lineup, get some correlation in there. You're not doing anything too crazy. And, and that's where I tend to do better. I don't know. As far as winning like a millimaker, maker, you just got to do things that my brain can't comprehend. Yeah, one thing I've been talking about with Leone and Holka since we've been playing some of those higher buy-in single entry stuff, it does seem like a lot of people are jamming near cash optimal lineups. You mentioned a 2v2. Some of them might just be straight cash optimal, maybe a one pivot there. How do you think about the advantage of playing near optimal versus maybe being entirely unique and giving yourself... Because I think if, if everyone's playing near optimal, we're just now playing 1v1, 2v2s. Whereas if I do a game stack in something like that, now all of a sudden, all I have to do is be right on this one game stack and I'm going to jump the entire field. Yeah, and it depends a lot. We're seeing a big divergence between high stakes and, and lower stakes stuff. Just the ownership, like uh, in the 3K last week on, on DraftKings, Dak was 6%. So he was one of the lesser owned quarterbacks. He was the highest owned quarterback in the Millie Maker, which is what you would expect given the performance that he had leading into that. So it's kind of levels on levels. And then another weird thing in the Thunderdome that Leone told me was that Watson was like 35% owned. Who's, who is the cash game chalk lineup or quarterback. And then cooks was 8% and Fuller was 15%. So people weren't stacking him, which was pretty odd given that there were some easy ways to stack him. So, yeah, I don't know. It's something I'm going to keep an eye on. Uh, I, there's no way I'd play that game without, having a stack especially when the optimal cash lineup was a stack so i just thought that was really odd yeah how are you think because uh you mentioned the dac ownership the mahomes ownership that was one of those things where if you didn't have your finger on the pulse of kind of water cooler chatter and updated ownership projections you might not have noticed the steam on mahomes and dac suppressing how are you thinking about this because to me it's such a mind fuck in that there's this uh self-fulfilling prophecy element to ownership once everyone talks at the beginning of the week yeah, how Dak's yeah. great and then all of us contrarian guys come in later in the week and say you can't play them and then it swings back how much are you monitoring conversational chatter like this to help dictate what might actually now be a good play well that's a big reason why i decided to add this show and establish a run on sunday mornings because i was just doing the friday show and that's great there's plenty of information and stuff to go on by friday but over the weekend i felt talking to people and building lineups, I just got a better feel for, for some things that maybe were different from the projections or ownership or whatever. And Leone, and Leone did it with me. He's going to continue to do it with me, the, the Sunday morning show. And we were talking last Sunday and we we're both talking about how good of a play Mahomes was in tournaments. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You know, everyone's saying this throughout the course of the weekend. I think Mahomes actually is going to be owned here. It just makes too much sense. He ended up being the highest owned quarterback in the 3K. So I think that stuff applies maybe a little bit more to the higher stake stuff. Um, but things do shift as you get closer to game time. And so I think it's nice to have that update Sunday morning. For sure. So what you mentioned the 3K, what is your contest selection looking like these days? And what's the split between cash and these uh, higher buy-in tournaments? 
Yeah, so I'm playing less cash relative to terms than I used to. I'm trying to make sure that I'm joining good games. The one thing I have noticed this year, and I think it's because they're advertising a lot again, is that there are quite a few more no-names in cash games. That said, I still try to stay away from the 10-mans because often you'll see there's nine pros in there or nine names that you would recognize, and I just don't really have any interest in that. But if you start seeing maybe three names you don't recognize without stars or badges or whatever they call them, then I'm then I start to get more interested. But really, I like the, the bigger single entry 50-50s. You know, if, if you can get over 200 people in a single entry, if, if you see those in their multi-entry, then you get the pros dumping in a ton. So I try and stay away from those. Those tend to be the hardest games on the site, uh, which is kind of surprising. And well, the other thing you have to keep in mind too in those is the, the rate can get higher down to like a $5 one. And if the pros can put in 150 entries, which they do, it starts to become a bad game pretty quickly. Uh, as far as tournaments, I've been doing, I've been hand building. I've won 50 maybe twice, but it's not really my forte. So I've been trying to hand build like three to five GPP lineups, um, more so on DraftKings, but a couple on FanDuel too. It depends how the slate's shaping up and what, you know, if I see angles that I like that I don't think will be too owned. Uh, so it's been fun. You know, it's, it's just a new challenge. And, and I like the, like I said, I'm trying to get into the like 500 and less people yeah. type games. How are you thinking? Because it seems like construction for the most part is funneling in the same way almost every week where there's these three to four chalkyish running backs that people want to jam in. Maybe there's a cheap one included. And then we're, we're paying up a little bit at quarterback. We want these guys that have some rushing equity, and then we're just fitting in whatever else fits at, at wide receiver in tight end. So how are you thinking? Do you think at all about getting leverage on a specific construction or are you still kind of player specific with the leverage spots you're trying to get a hold of? Well, I think it's a weird time with the quarterbacks because the guys at the top are so good. My buddy Ricky D called them the Smash Brothers, and I've been I've been going with that. You know, there's like five or six quarterbacks that are capable of basically putting up a 40 spot. And once you get down to other guys, they've been priced up more. Like on DraftKings, you're finding a lot of guys in the high fives, low sixes that maybe would have been the high fours or low fives in years past. So the, the price gap between them and the really elite guys, I think, is not quite big enough. So I've been leaning into just playing the Smash Brothers quarterbacks. I've been trying to get contrarian more so at wide receiver than anything, tight end defense. Um, I don't get too too off the board at, at running back, which unfortunately hasn't been that that great because chalk running backs haven't been very good this year. But um, I'm still okay with that. I'll have like maybe six, possibly eight running backs in my pool in a given week. Yeah. Yeah, I've just been thinking more about it in that, you know, yes, running backs easier to project, but you're still taking on a lot of volatility at your wide receiver positions. I don't mind taking on a little volatility at one of my running back positions. Maybe this week it's DeAndre Swift at 4,500 if Adrian Peterson. Do you you like that? You like that call? What's the deal with Adrian Peterson? Is he banged up? Yeah, he hasn't hasn't been practicing. But I mean, the thesis of the play is, I mean, DeAndre Swift isn't going to get touch the ball, you know, 20 times. But if he gets just a couple extra carries in addition to his pass game work in that red zone sure. usage, I, I think there's a ceiling there. So I guess I am saying like, I'm okay getting gross at one running back spot. I did it last week with Antonio Gibson. Didn't work out. That's okay. <laughs> but I kind of like it too, because I'm finding that some of these super high ceiling wide receivers, like last week, it was Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins. They were going under owned because everyone couldn't get to them with the running backs. They were jamming in. For sure. And, and there's definitely value when 
everyone's going to be playing. And we've had this a few weeks. So there's like three or four running backs that everyone's going to play and they're in a certain price range. So by getting out of that price range, it'll change your construction. That's how you get up to Hopkins and those types of guys last week who just weren't fitting like the cash build, you know, unless you're yeah. levitating and go on galaxy brain. And then also another trend we've seen split. I know uh, preseason Levitan did a Millie Maker trend article. Last year, there were a lot of running backs in the flex. This year so far, it's been largely wide receivers. Uh, do you think that is just a small sample noise or is it swinging back and, and getting in these high ceiling wide receivers is optimal? Well, I think a big part of that is just a lot of the running backs have failed, especially the chalky ones. I mean, we've seen guys come in, like take Clyde Edwards Hilaire last week. He was probably, I don't know, 30 or 40%. I'm just guessing in the Millie Maker, he was higher in higher stick stuff, like 40 to 50%. And he just completely dudded out. So we've been seeing more of that than I would expect. I thought with some of these guys, like in that spot, I mean, it seemed like it would be difficult for him to fail. Uh, yet, yet he managed to fail even when the team scored 32 points. So yeah, just some frustrating plays. Um, but I don't know. It's tough to say if it's a trend or if it's just, you know, it's only five weeks so far, so I wouldn't read too much into it. I, I, I forgot kind of the results of that article, but if I remember correctly, it kind of swung from year to year, which would make me think that it's probably more just variance than anything. Yeah. But it's tough to say. Yeah, this slate uh, is definitely interesting. We'll, we can talk a little bit of specifics. If you guys have any other questions you guys want to pass along to Wiggins, drop those in the chat. Um, you know, at quarterback this week, I'm pulling up here, lineup HQ, ownership's really spread out because we don't have a lot of those big dogs. No no Josh Allen, no Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I mean, is this a week where you can kind of play whoever you want at quarterback just because we're not seeing any sky-high ownerships? Yeah, and I don't worry too much about the ownership of quarterbacks anyway, because generally all the good plays are going to be in the like seven to fifteen percent range. If you're getting down below seven percent, usually there's a reason for it. Uh, and and like I said, with the top guys being so good, it's just hard to overcome that. So I'd rather just eat a little bit of chalk at quarterback, and you can differentiate in other spots. And I think we've really seen that for the most part where the quarterbacks that we thought were going to do well at the very top end of the range have done that. Now I think this week's a little bit different because no one's really standing out. I think Lamar looks okay, but there's some concerns about his rushing. I mean, he only rushed, I think two times for three yards or something along those lines last week. And if he's not running, he doesn't have that much value. So I don't, I'm not quite sure how to handle him. If the ownership's off on him, I'd like to keep going back to him in tournaments, uh, but it's a little bit scary I think Matthew Stafford's in a really good spot. I don't have a good handle. What do you guys have his ownership? Okay, you got him at the second most owned, right? Yeah. Um, this is sorted by uh, highest owned. Yeah, so that doesn't surprise me because he looks good and fits. Um, yeah, and Tannehill, I mean, those are the three guys I'm, I'm seeing as the best values over at ETR as far as cash game considerations. So if you get if you get Lamar down in 9%, like that, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. For sure. And I mean, his price is pretty palatable here relative to what we've seen it at before. I guess the question is, you know, I, I was uh, I was hunting for blurbs and stuff. You know, it seems like he's dealing a little bit with this sore knee and it's it's hard to know if that is limiting him a little bit on the ground. But at least for tournaments, too, you also love how condensed his targets are with Andrews and Marquise Brown both seem like good plays again. One thing that's interesting to me about this ownership, I haven't checked uh, Adams yet to see if he differs here, but I mean, this Green Bay-Tampa Bay game has the highest over-under on the main slate at 55, and I'm seeing Aaron Rodgers down here at 7% ownership, Tom Brady down here at 3%. Like, this is a game I want a lot of pieces of. What are your thoughts on these quarterbacks? Is this just because of their their price tags? Yeah, we've got we've got Rodgers at 3%. Um 
Yeah, I mean, his price tag's up there. I mean, he's $200 less than Lamar. Is that right? Lamar's 7'7". Seven, seven. I'm not even seeing him on my list. Yeah, yeah. Lamar is 7'7", uh, seven, seven, Rogers 7'5", Brady 6'5". Yeah, is Devontae supposed to be back? I'm a little bit behind on, on yeah. I believe he is, right? Yeah, he's been he's been practicing. I think he was going to be good to go even even last week, and they just held him out at the last minute. So I, I think all systems are go for Devontae Adams, and ownership seems to already be reflecting that. Um, where do we have him? We've, we've you know, got him at 15. So yeah, I mean, if you can get if you can get Rogers at sub five and Devontae at 15, I mean, obviously that's a good stack. I, I do think ownership always trends down a little bit after a team's been on a buy. Yeah. Um, so you got that working in your favor. One guy that we're projecting, and I'm going to talk to Leone about it because I think maybe he's a little bit high, uh, but he's one of our top values is Cam Newton. And it doesn't look like he's going to catch too much ownership. You guys got him at what, 5%? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. When they refuse to bring up Demir Bird, he's 3-5. So he might be a little bit chalky, uh, but he's he's been getting a lot of action. And the, the problem with Cam is I'm not sure that's going to be a competitive game. And if it's not, then I could see them just running the ball a ton. Uh, and you know, he's, he's a guy who would like to play more in a shootout type game. And I don't think this is it against Denver, but if his ownership's low, I mean, we, we, we know that he has the upside that, you know, right there with the rest of the, the, the elite quarterbacks on this slate. For obviously in cash, you can, you can easily run those naked uh, quarterbacks. How do you think about say Cam and Lamar in single entry three max stuff uh, without uh, a stacking option in cam specifically, you mentioned bird, the price is affordable, but can you get away with just a naked cam at 6,500? Yeah. I mean, you could, uh, his best game of the year was when he just had all those rush touchdowns. So I think it's fine. Um, Lamar, I would always stack him with either Marquise or, or Andrews, maybe not a double stack just cause they're not throwing enough. Uh, but I think you'd want one of the stacks and, and with cam, I mean, you could just throw a bird in there for three K like, why not? You know? So I, I think I probably would. This is an interesting question too. just kind of the idea of what drives a stack. Is it, is it the quarterback? And then you figure out if you want to pair him or not at all, or are you seeing like, Oh, Demir bird, like he's super cheap. Oh, that's pointing me to cam, which, uh, which comes first, the chicken or the egg there for you. It just, it depends entirely on the slate. So, I mean, that's what I'm looking at when I'm going through and trying to decide what games I'm going to target. You're looking at the ownership and sometimes there's good wide receiver values where the quarterback won't be owned or vice versa. Um, you know, the quarterback's a great value and his receivers are a little bit less, but you can get them in there. So yeah, I'll look at those things and just, there's, there's really no like set solution, but these are all things I'm looking at when I'm scanning, you know, like Kenny Galladay is a great value and, and Matthew Stafford is a great value, but that's going to be obvious. And, and you guys have Stafford as the second most owned. So I think we'll probably see that stack get a ton of ownership, uh, as you know, but bird we've got him at 3%. I don't know. People just don't want to play him in cam at 5%. So that, both those guys are top values. So I think that is interesting in tournaments. Yeah. And I mean, this week, so we have how many we have one, two, three, four, we have five games on the main slate that are, have a, a total over 50 points. So it seems like you are going to be able to be ownership uh, conscious and, and move over to some of these lower owned stacks. If say it's a, a Kirk to Thielen or a Stafford to Galladay, that's getting all the steam. Like there's not a huge opportunity cost in fading those mega chalk stacks. Right. Yeah. And we have, we have Edelman as, a, as another guy who's like our 10th best value wide receiver and he's uh super low ownership. So I, I know it's not sexy, but they're, so, you know, that's why their ownership will probably be lower. So yeah, if you can find the good values that, that aren't, the sexiest play of the week that those are the ones you want to be targeting in tournaments for sure. 
people asking about Kirk Cousins, asking about Matt Ryan, these quarterbacks that don't run uh, much at all, but have the ability to hit a three to four touchdown game with their pass catchers. How do you how do you think about those guys? Are you are they naturally always going to be below the guys with rushing equity or what breaks ties or could vault them into consideration for you? Well, and again, I mean, a lot of this just comes down to the slate and what's the opportunity cost of quarterback. And we've had a ton of slates, so there's just been really, really great quarterback plays. And this one, it seems like we're living a little bit more in the mid range with, you know, like Tannehill, Cam, Fitzpatrick, Stafford, those types of guys. And then you you don't have Mahomes on the slate. You don't have, uh, well, you got Lamar up there. Um. So I think you can get away with playing more. This is this is probably more so than any slate this entire season. I think you can get away with playing more of these mid-range type characters. But generally speaking, Kirk Cousins hasn't shown the upside that you would need to win a slate through the first five weeks of the year. Um, just because, of, you know, I don't think he's ever going for 35. But I yeah. think given his price and the way the slate's looking and well, but I mean, he might catch a decent amount of ownership is the problem. I don't. I don't really want to play Kirk Cousins if he's chalky, and especially over on FanDuel, he's seven one. Thielen is one of the best values at wide receiver. I think he's going to be one of, if not the highest known plays at wide receiver. So if that stack starts looking really chalky, then I'm I'm not really interested in playing Kirk Cousins in that spot. Yeah, I was listening to the Advanced Analytics Show on the Roto Grinders Network this week. Brandon Adams was talking about the negative correlation so far with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, a point four negative correlation. How do you think about those things? Where obviously, if the game goes berserk, that those correlations could just get obliterated. I feel another good example with Chris Godwin coming back is the negative correlation we've seen with Evans and Godwin. Are you open to stacking the two stud wide receivers or would you rather, you know, throw in a Cameron Brayton and Irv Smith and just hope that you get the the correlation right? Well, and this partly has to do with what games you're playing, because if you're playing the smaller games and you can get away with it a little bit more because you don't need to hit absolute perfect. If you're trying to win a Millie maker and you that negative correlations is probably going to hurt because you need to have like the highest scoring player at every position to win those crazy games. So you have to be more cognizant of that in, in the games as they get bigger and bigger. If you're playing single entry stuff, then yeah, you can kind of get away with a trip, maybe even up to a triple stack, depending on the game. Uh, I wouldn't do that very often, but you're probably never winning the Millie maker with a triple stack. So I don't know. I, the, the nice thing is it makes it a little bit easier. If you just throw in Jefferson and feeling you hope that cousins has a good game. And then like they, one of them should have, you know, a, a great game and the other one probably an okay game. Uh, and you don't have to worry about picking the right one. So it does make it a little bit easier, but I think it caps your upside too. Yeah, I, I enjoy doing it a little bit more when one of those pieces or even two of them, as we saw with the uh, Texans last week with Fells and Cooks, when they're really cheap. And then it's like, you can pay up for the one option. And then if you get the funky Fells long touchdown or Cooks goes off, it's like, yeah, you didn't pay off Fuller's price tag, but you smashed it at those other two where you're kind of just covering the roulette board. So that would be the only thing that gives me pause with just Thielen and Jefferson, both being expensive and relatively popular. I might rather just punt it off with Irv Smith and take a stand on either Thielen or Jefferson would just be kind of my gut. Yeah. Or you could just single stack it too. Um, and you're right. Like the price is very important when, when they're cheaper guys, it's easier to get away with it. When, when they're expensive, uh, you need both of them to have very, very good games to be in winning GPP lineups. This is a good question here from Sean. When using limited entries, three to five max, do you prefer a different team stack or two variations on the same one? I'll I'll just say I've been, I have too much fun putting in different stacks. So I normally have a tighter core. Like last week in most of my lineups, I had 
Gibson, New Hopkins, and Mike Davis. Those guys, and then I were I was working game stacks around that. Where do you stand on getting exposure to stacks versus a core? Yeah, and again, it just depends on the week. Sorry to be so vague, but it really does. So sometimes I would run maybe the same in all of them if there's a spot I really love. But usually if I'm building three, it'd, it'd probably be three different stacks most of the time. Some of the same core players littered throughout, like you were saying. Let's talk uh, about running back. We will we'll move through the slate. And then I also want, normally we build on DraftKings, thought it might be fun to build on FanDuel. I know you are well steeped in the FanDuel streets. And we also have the Roto Grinders single entry series going on over there. So we can hit both sites. Um, like I mentioned here at running back, we are seeing uh, pretty condensed ownership on a few of these top plays here. Madison, Montgomery, Mike Davis, uh, and Derrick Henry right now leading the charge all over 20%. Ownership or is this kind of your narrow list of running backs here too, or other guys you're considering? Yeah, I'd, I'd maybe throw in Miles Gaskin and um, and then over on FanDuel, James Robinson is a really good value over the way. Over, did you mention Montgomery as well? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So like those five or six guys, I think are the main plays at running back. One thing I wanted to ask you is I always like checking out Brandon Thorne's defensive line, offensive line mismatch article over at ETR. And sometimes I don't know how much I should be interpreting it. Specifically, do you view it as a knock for the entire offense or more specifically for the run game or pass game? You know, for example, right now he has uh, Mike Davis, Carolina, having a bad offensive line matchup this week. And I'm just curious, do you do you ding Mike Davis for that? Are you dinging Bridgewater or everybody? Well, I think it depends on the situation. Uh, I'd like to use that article as a tiebreaker. I'd like to use it to find defensive plays that can really be helpful with that. As far as running backs, you know, take Mike Davis this week. Yeah, it's not a great spot. Definitely not. But I'm not overly concerned about him because he's so involved in the pass game. That even if they're having trouble getting the ball going on the ground, he's gonna, I mean, he could still get 10 targets. He's been averaging, geez, uh, 8.3 targets a game over the last four games. So that's a lot of targets. So I think he's got a pretty high floor regardless, but certain quarterbacks are really bad under pressure. Jared Goff's one. Wentz has been really bad under pressure. So I, when those types of guys, if I'm considering them and I see that they're you know in a really bad spot with their line, then I, I'll probably get off of them. Yeah. I mentioned earlier, not minding me personally, getting a little funky with one of my running back slots. What are the characteristics you're going to look for in a running back play that's going to be low owned that might not have that 20 touch projected workload that we all like but can have access to a ceiling that could win us gpps what are the what kind of boxes do you need those guys to check well i mean usually at running back i try not to get too off the board so if i can find guys that are projected in the same range with less ownership like miles gaskins coming through as a guy who's pretty comparable play to david montgomery but Right now, we haven't projected at half the ownership on DraftKings. So those are the types of plays that I think are are pretty interesting. So you don't have to give up very many points as far as your expected output, uh, but you're getting half the ownership. Yeah, this Miles Gaskin price tag is absurd. They're nine-point home favorites versus the Jets. We don't know if Jordan Howard is going to be active again or not. He was a late scratch last week, 5,400 with his role. I guess he did cede a little bit of touches to Matt Breida, whose work continues to increase a bit. I feel like people are just so afraid of this situation because he's not a name brand. It feels fragile. But based on his metrics so far, I mean, Miles Gaskin is a smash at 5,400. Yeah, and I think most of those Breida touches were were late in the game when it was pretty much in hand. So I'm, I have to go back and look at that. Friday is usually the day where I kind of just dive deep into everything. But But by the numbers right now, 
he's looking pretty good. And for whatever reason, people just won't want to click on him. So, so that's a good one, especially if, if it's Patrick, I think you guys had him as the highest stone quarterback. So you're getting some leverage there. I mean, so those are the types of things you can look at. Like, do these plays have leverage over other chalky plays? What, what is the ownership like? What is their projected output? And, and hopefully you can find some where you're not giving up a ton of points. We got Donnie Watson over in the Roto Grinders chat. This is uh, an interesting question. I mentioned DeAndre Swift. He might be a candidate for this. He says, do you guys pair QBs with pass catching running backs and wide receivers? My thinking is if you're stacking, you think your team does well, why not capture all the TDs? I know a lot of people don't like doing it. How do you think about stacking with these running backs who do catch a lot of passes? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few exceptions that you can do it with. I try not to do it, but it's more acceptable if it's a cheap play and a guy and it's a pass catching back like swift would be a good example of that but if you start pairing your quarterback with really expensive running backs unless they're alvin kamara who you know is just really really involved in the passing game I th- again it caps your upside so these are things you can get away with at smaller single entry type stuff but it becomes very difficult to win a huge tournament if you have the quarterback and the running back you're just basically crossing your fingers that he'll catch a touchdown when in reality, a lot of times, you know, he'll rush touchdown and you're just stealing a touchdown from your quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's uh, definitely one of those things where I don't necessarily mind it if they're underpriced, like Matt, Mike Davis last week, catching a ton of uh, passes underpriced, you know, you could realistically stack him with Bridgewater. And even this week too, I think with Swift, man, I, I, how am I, I'm going to all of a sudden just accidentally lock myself into Swift being my, my, my lock play as I keep talking about him. But I think he's a guy that you could stack cheaply with a quarterback there too. Um, I figure we can talk about wide receivers more when we build lineups. Let's just quickly touch on tight ends. The landscape at tight end continues to be incredibly gross here. You know, Johnu Smith looks like he's going to be popular as is Gasecki. And then otherwise it might be play whoever you want. Are you on a uh, team punt it off at tight end? Or are you now wanting to pay up for some of these studs when we do get them on the slate? Well, I don't really care so much. It depends on on how the slate's setting up. But the most important thing is tight end is so volatile that you need to make sure that you're not eating the chalk at tight end. That's very important. So we'll get guys that, that like George Kittle last week. I mean, on FanDuel, he was massive chalk. And, and he failed because tight ends fail all the time. That's just the nature of the position. And you just there's so many ways you can pivot that that's what you have to be doing. So I think the most important thing in tournaments is making sure you're not eating chalk on – tight end and defense because we just really have no idea what's going to happen there yeah for sure and one thing i learned the hard way last week and i saw leone had a super nice lineup i saw a lot of nice lineups that triple stacked deshaun watson because once fells opened up without akins it was a cheap way you already were on that game on that stack why not just eliminate the number of things you have to get right with a low end tight end play my brain didn't allow me to triple stack last week i thought oh this is too much it's too much um how do you think about that? Are are you okay tossing in a tight end with a with a big game stack block? Yeah, well, the other nice thing about that last week was that most people are paying up a tight end. So it did open it up to a different type of build. But that's a good example of how even though they all had good games, you weren't winning a huge tournament with them because Will Fuller didn't quite get there. You need a fine game. So that that's the type of lineup you could definitely have won smaller stuff with. Uh, but it, you you just need an absolute bananas game out of Watson to win anything huge if you're triple stacking. Now, the other thing worth pointing out there was two of those guys uh, were super cheap. So and Fuller was probably more on the expensive end. But yeah, I mean, you weren't spending a ton getting those three guys. So that That's a very important part of it as well. Yeah. 
I now I have not watched the tape on this. I have seen the conflicting data points. I know Zach Ertz has back-to-back games where he's averaging sub two yards per target. However, he's in the air yards by low model. Frisco Josh is saying that we can go back to him. A 10 target game could potentially be on the horizon. Have you watched the games? Is Zach Ertz dust? I haven't watched much, much of Philly, thankfully. Uh, it, it doesn't look good, man, just from what I've seen and the numbers that are there. But he's still averaging seven targets a game, which I'm just scrolling through. That's that's the most, actually, of any of the tight ends on the slate uh, over the last four games. Next would be Johnny Smith at 6.8, which is surprisingly high, actually. John, who's going to be very chalky, as you mentioned. He's our top value on both sites. I don't think anyone wants to play Ertz. So I do think there's some value in going back to him. I mean, Leone made him the cover of established a million, the GPP show last week. So Leone still believed going into last week. Now, maybe he doesn't at this point. Um, but when the volume is there, you know, he doesn't have to have some monster hundred yard plus game. If he just scored a touchdown on like, you know, five for 50 and a touchdown, that, that's a pretty good game at his price tag. So I do think he's a consideration. Yeah. Tight end is so bad that if you gave Zach Ertz that line, he's just a smash, just an absolute smash. Um, Yeah. You mentioned earlier too, uh, how teams coming off a buy tend to go a little lower owned. I'm kind of surprised Tanyan's ownership isn't higher here. I know Adams is coming back, so he's not going to see quite the same amount of targets, but man, we got him right now at Roto Grinders at 6% ownership. Uh, Man, I love him in a double stack with Rogers. Yeah, yeah, Levitan's got him up at 11, so I don't have a good feeling what his ownership will be. But, I mean, yeah, what do you have, a 40-point game his last outing? So <laughs> that's, you know, I've for my season-long team, I've been streaming tight ends all year. I swear to God, I don't have a single touchdown yet. So it's it's bad out there. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's build a couple lineups. We can talk through some decisions, uh, things we're factoring in as far as ownership. We can hit any other player conversations we haven't hit. Why don't we start over at FanDuel, uh, FanDuel, uh, who knows if the, uh, the scoring situation is going to be worked out, but what's better Wiggins than to submit a lineup and just pray and just pray that it does well and not actually know. Can't put a price on hope. (laughs) So I am registered in here for all of these single entry series contests that Roto Grinders is offering. They have a hundred, a 33 and a $5, I believe very nice flat payout structures. And then there's a, a tournament of champions kind of at the end, if you finish at the top of your prize level. So I'm a, I'm not as much of a FanDuel player. I had a decent week last week. Um, mixing it in there after I do all of my DraftKings stuff. Are you constant? Are you about even as far as how much you think about FanDuel and DraftKings? Uh, it depends on the week. If, if one site's setting up better than the other, then I'll, I'll shift more action to that site. But generally speaking, probably about 50-50, maybe slightly more on FanDuel historically. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll let you kick things off here. Uh, you can kick us off with a stack, a play, um, something you think uh, you, you should be getting in on your, your FanDuel lineups. What do you got? Uh, can you pull up the, um, can you pull up the ownership for, yeah, for the quarterbacks? Let's, uh, let me switch over to FanDuel here. Cause we have a lot of them just kind of in the same range. Just so. piled up. Yeah. So percentage, we got Stafford, Fitzpatrick and Lamar Jackson over 10, then come in the back with Watson, Tannehill, Ryan Rogers. Okay. Well, you know what? I think. Let's try let's try Lamar Jackson one more week. We'll we'll give him a little bit of rope here given how good he was last year. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then um so immediately I'm thinking uh are we going to double stack him or 
single stack. I would say tight end is so gross and FanDuel pricing is so loose that Mark Andrews seems like a logical pair here with Lamar. Yeah, and the other thing, they keep pricing Mark Andrews up so high that his ownership stays very low. Every time I've played him in tournaments this year, he's been like 5%. Uh, 7-6 is, is a tough one to swallow for him given the floor that he has, but it makes him a great tournament play. So let's get Mark Andrews in there. So assuming uh, we're, we're rocking with this, I think the next two obvious decision points are, are we going to double stack with Marquise and or are we going to do a bring back with the Eagles? How do you think about that with these two guys in place? Yeah, I mean, where what is what's the situation with the Eagles receiving core right now? I haven't I haven't seen the the Did, injury status this week. Deshaun Jackson and Alshon have been practicing. It seems like they are trending to play. Uh, I have very uh, little interest in these pass catchers outside of Ertz, but I don't think we want to go double tight end with Ertz on Fanduel. No, but but maybe we drop Andrews, put Ertz in there, and then just play Marquise Brown. That might make more sense, just because we don't know who to bring it back with otherwise. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could. Would you would you mess around with Miles Sanders, or that's not a, a correlation we want to do? Well, I think you could. Um, he's he's projecting as a better play over on DraftKings. So that's the other thing you can do too when when you're looking about hedging out your actions. Just try, if you want to get a little bit of exposure to a guy, you know, and he's a better play on one site, that play him there and don't jam him uh, on the other side. So I don't think I don't know if I'd go that far off the board on Fanduel, given his price is still pretty high and, and he's better for the DraftKings scoring anyway. So l- let's get Ertz in there, Marquise. Yeah, I, I think that's probably all we need from this game. Yeah, Alan, this is something we've kind of been hitting on here for are you looking for value to fill a lineup or pair it with their QBs? I mean, this one, the two better plays in this game, you know, drove us to tight end. But I think if we built a different stack, tight end might be the last thing we worry about along with defense, because as Andrew said, it's just so volatile. It's so hard to project that we just want to make sure it's a it's a guy that fits with what we want to do and isn't going to be too chalky. So in this lineup, Ertz definitely makes sense. I'll toss it back to you, though. Uh, to get us in uh, the next direction of this lineup. Yeah, and I'll just add, I'd be more open to playing two tight ends on DraftKings because their pricing's a little bit better on tight ends or they're cheaper over there. And just with the way that the scoring is, um, it, I mean, FanDuel, it's like when you have Mark Andrews up at 7-6 and, and Ertz, like Ertz should really be down in the mid-5. So like they're all overpriced. Uh, it, and given how bad tight ends been, it'd just be really difficult, to, I think, to get there with two tight ends. Yeah, I am uh, I was just pulling up the blitz here to do a little uh, points per dollar sorting to see uh, who these other good values are on FanDuel this week at wide receiver and running back. A couple guys that are jumping out here would be, you know, we got Madison, Montgomery, Gaskin, Robinson. You mentioned Robinson earlier. Um, so these are guys that are going to catch ownership, but just trying to uh, familiarize myself with the good value plays on on FanDuel this week. Yeah, what, what do you have? Oh, you don't have the ownership up there. Oh, I can, I can get it up. Who do you want to see? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm curious if people are going to play James Robinson. I, Levitan has him as pretty owned, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't think people really like playing him for whatever reason. So he's one of our top values, and I could see him coming in around 10% ownership, just spitballing. Yeah, James Robinson we have right here at 20%. Madison and Mike Davis being the mega chalk, Montgomery and Henry in that second tier, and then Robinson and Aaron Jones down in that third tier. Also breaking news, the Patriots just had another positive COVID case. They have canceled their practice today. Man, uh, I guess we just have to hope, uh, you know, the Colts came out this morning. They had they had the positive case and then they came out and say it came back negative. So, you know, sometimes if we want to have a glass half full approach, 
Um, maybe this is a, a false positive, whatever, but definitely stay tuned on that. That would be a bummer for the Cam Newton play. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's eat the chalk on Madison. I think he's at that price. He's such a good play that I'm, I'm just going to be overweight on him this week. Um, let's, um, let's see. Was, uh, I mean, Gaskin is still a nice value on FanDuel too, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 5,700. I'm going to get him in here as well. Nice. And it doesn't even seem like his ownership is going to be outlandish. I mean, have him here at, what does Levitan have Gaskin on FanDuel at? 15. Okay. Yep. So uh, let's see how much money we have left in this lineup. 6,500 left. Um, we could maybe put in a placeholder defense just to uh, to know what we're working with. I mean, are you okay punting it off with the Bengals this week? Looking at the Bengals. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. I mean, we could just, we can, uh, I mean, we can adjust. Look, it really doesn't matter. I played the, <laughs> the Giants. Like, the most important thing is just that they're not owned. I played the Giants in uh, one of my main tournament lineups last week because they were 2 2 on, on DraftKings. And then I also knew that everyone was going to be stacking that game. So it's like if they get a defensive touchdown, that's taking away from the offensive players. So um, that worked out great, obviously. This is a, a wake and bake comment here. If I've ever seen one, when you said Gaskin Robin, it made me think ice cream there for a second. There we go. Wake and bake, baby. Um, nice. All right. Ball's back in your court here. Uh, we have two wide receivers and a flex um, and a decent amount of money to work with here. Okay. Let's see. I can, uh, let's see what wide receivers. Let's, let's check some guys with some ceiling here. Yeah, I'm saying like nothing really jumps out to me as a great wide receiver tournament play. You know, one guy that I actually am now curious what his ownership is on FanDuel, but it seems like Will Fuller is going to be kind of under owned relative to his ceiling this week. All right, let's get him in there. I mean, I'm going to see what our top plays is. Yeah, I mean, so we have him down here at 8% ownership. Um, What what does Levitan have him? I don't know. My spreadsheet's broken. (laughs) No worries. No worries. But. Yeah, I think it's just like we still haven't seen the the nuclear Will Fuller game. Uh, everyone just kind of ping pongs back and forth off a of recency bias. Now that Brandon Cooks went off, people seem down on him. But man, uh, I still think he has one of those top five ceilings every week in the league with his target share. Yeah, it was a two weeks ago where he had that touchdown right, right at the end of the game that I thought he caught it, but maybe that was because I owned him on a ton of teams. But uh, that would have been a 30, 30 point plus game if he had come down with that. People mentioning AJ Brown, uh, one-off chalk wide receivers. Just in principle, are you on or off that kind of play? Man, I mean AJ Brown, the volume's been there this year. Um, what's the deal with is is Corey Davis going to be out? I don't know, I don't know what the deal is with the COVID stuff. Yeah, I don't, from what it sounds like, I don't think Humphreys or Corey Davis are going to play. It looks like Khalif Raymond is a, another nice pump play. Yeah, so I think it's probably fine to eat the chalk on A.J. Brown. I mean, it's a really good price. I'll probably have him in cash games, I would say. So for this lineup, we have a lot of money to spend. We have we have 8000 uh per player. I mean, obviously, McCaffrey and Cook aren't in the mix. I mean, we can almost play whoever we want here to round this out. And I don't think this is a too popular of a construction necessarily based on some of these plays. I feel like we, we can do whatever. Yeah, you got any leans? Um. I mean, uh, another guy who I think will be under-owned relative to his ceiling, I just continue to love Calvin Ridley as a guy that can always be the highest scorer on the slate. Let's get him in there. 
All right, so that will leave us here with 7,400. I can scroll down and see what range that puts us in. Uh, let me get flexed. Uh, I got a guy like in that yeah. price range. Let's put Jonathan Taylor in there. There we go. It looked like maybe they were starting to swing back to giving him more of the feature back role. It's been weird there, and I don't think you can really count on anything week to week, but the guy's going to have a big game sooner or later, and uh, no one's going to play him. So I think I think he checks some good GPP boxes here. I'll go ahead and pull the Bengals defense out if we're going to run Jonathan Taylor uh, out. Who do you like then of Falcons or Lions? I think you can play either of them. Just looking. We got we got the Lions as an okay play. Yeah. Um, they're favorites. So, you know, Jacksonville can can turn the ball over. Let's Let's get them in there. So I will just say in general, like this kind of construction, I love – this construction because we're getting on a new thing by not eating three chalky running backs. We're going to have gas uh, Madison, but then we're slightly off the board with Gaskin and Taylor, but not in a reckless way. Right. And then we're project. Well, yeah. And then we're jamming in all of these wide receivers. I mean, Marquise Brown, Fuller Ridley, like the ceilings are, are through the roof on those guys. And then a contrarian tight end that fits with the game stack. To me, this is, this is a lineup I like to build. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, like I said, it projects well, You've got a little bit of a mini stack between Madison and Ridley in there. Uh, so it's this is a good team. I like it. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Um, so Donnie in the chat says, Pete, you love the Tampa Bay Green Bay game, but you have none of it. Curious why. <laughs> guys, guys, you can play whoever you want. We built a lineup where we started down this path with Lamar Jackson and we didn't play any one-off pieces. It, it, it happens. It doesn't mean I don't like this game just because I don't have a piece. Wiggins, do I have to have every documented play I love in these lineups? No, you do not, sir. Okay. Thank you for giving me the uh the thing. Maybe just to give Donnie Watson a bone here. Maybe should we build a should we build a, a Watts or a, a Brady or, or Rogers stack over here? Yeah, let's let's do a Rogers double stack with Devontae and Tanyan. Yeah. I like that as well. Um with uh with Adams back. In general, do you, and again, tight end so gross that Tanyan makes a ton of sense here. Do you have preference on like, if, if say Robert Tanyan and MVS were priced similarly, which I think they are, and say they projected as a median outcome similarly and ownership was similar, like all things being equal, would you prefer the wide receiver double stack or the tight end? Um, I think in this case, I, I'd just go with Tanyan because I, I don't think MVS is very good. I don't think that Rogers trusts him at all, which is important with Roger. I mean, that's the thing we've seen with Tanyan is that Rogers trusts him. And that means a lot with Rogers. That's why Devonta Adams would get 15 targets last year. Cause he didn't trust anyone. Uh, and I just think that Tanyan's got a much higher ceiling with, with the touchdown looks, you know, the red zone looks. So I don't know. I'm just kind of out on MBS in general, but that being said, he can still break a big play. I don't think anyone's, you know, people are certainly going to play more Tanyan than MBS. So, you know, you can make an argument either way, but let's, let's do Tanyan. That's yeah. sexier. I'm with you. Joey asks, is this strictly GPP? So yeah, these lineups that we're building, I would say have a focus on a single entry, three max, you know, maybe, I don't know how big this Roto Grinders tournament was. This is 22,000, the the spy, uh, they have a 5,500 one and a 2,200 one. So I would say sub 5,500, three max, single entry. We're still getting in good plays, not too off the board, but we are making some tweaks on what you would call a cash optimal lineup. Um. All right, I want to bring back this lineup with Godwin. I think he's underpriced. He's been practicing uh, 6,400 in this game, Scott. Uh, you you good with that? Yep, I prefer him over, over Evans. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, 
it's uh it's back to you here uh i think we're um is this a game that you would continue sta- uh stacking heavier or would you chill after the double and the bring back I think I'd chill, and I think we're enough off the board that you can fill it in with decent chalk around it. Maybe maybe not like the chalkiest plays, um, but but we're in a pretty good spot right now. Let's get, uh, I mean, let's get Gaskin in there again. Yeah. Um, I just think he's, especially on DraftKings, he's a really, really good play. Yeah, uh, I love it there. Uh, Gaskin, Gaskin Robbins uh, is definitely a good play. Let's see here. I'm trying to to mix up my play so I don't just jam in everyone that we did. Uh, you know what? Should will you allow? Should I throw? Will you allow me to throw in DeAndre Swift here? Do it. All right, let's do it. It's a little off the board, like I said. Pay attention to the Adrian Peterson news, but again, at 4,500, he has more of a floor uh, with his pass catching work and. You know, there's also the narratives too, right? Coming out of the bye, maybe they increase the rookie workload a little bit more. They see some things. They're finally ready to unleash him. And the Adrian Peterson thing is just a nice tiebreaker. So I like a little swift. And at this point with this lineup, we we can play whoever we want. Yeah, let's basically just fill it out with chalk around it. Let's put um, let's put Kenny Galladay in there. That makes sense. How do you feel about that as far as playing two Lions? Um, oh, that's true. Um yeah, it's probably not ideal. Let's do... Uh, I was going to say like we could do a game stack there without the quarterback if like Chenault fit. Someone mentioned Chris Conley because um, Chark has been missing practice with this ankle and I think he's trending in the wrong direction. So it might be Chenault, Conley, and Keelan Cole in their three wide receiver sets. Yeah, and I know Chenault didn't practice on Wednesday either. So I don't know. I didn't see yesterday's report. Um, you know who's a good tournament play at wide receiver in here is Terry McLaurin. Mm. So that guy can go off any week, and, and he hasn't really been catching too much ownership at any given time. You get in the weeds too much. I know I was reading Mike Clay's wide receiver cornerback matchup column. Uh, you know, Bradbury on the Giants has been one of the best corners in the league. Are, are you on uh, matchups matter or McLaurin's so good it doesn't matter? Uh, tournaments, really not at all. Uh, yeah. In fact, sometimes I prefer it because people read that stuff and that'll just drive the ownership down. And we're just looking for a ceiling game anyway. For cash games, I will use that as a tiebreaker. You know, it's like usually there's a bunch of wide receivers that are projected pretty closely. So why take the guy going up against a very good defender? But for the most part, I, I don't think it really matters. So here I, I did put the Bengals D in again as just kind of a, a 2100. I mean, pump play D seems pretty nice there. Uh, in this range, you know, we do, we mentioned LaVisca. He's here. Claypool, if you think he is here to stay. Deontay Johnson is back at practice. So he's going to have some target competition, but still interesting here. Um, anything else jumping out here available 5,300 and under? Yeah. I mean, it's probably, probably Claypool. Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on you? You had such a reluctant sigh there. Well, I mean, I, I was thinking Deontay might miss, so I, I hadn't heard that he's back. Um, but that'll drive his ownership down. So yeah. I think there... we, we are projecting, we never took Deontay out of our projections and Claypool is still coming through as a pretty good play. So the way I'm thinking about this is like, and I do agree Claypool's ownership will tick down here, probably even from the 11% if Deontay Johnson is back. Um, I wouldn't want to chase Claypool if he was up here at, you know, 15, 20% ownership. But I do think, and maybe this is me being wildly optimistic, but I do think he could 
just scorch the earth the rest of the season, like Odell Beckham style, just come in this talented paired to a quarterback who can get them the ball. Part of me doesn't want to miss the boat on this before he is a $7,000 wide receiver the rest of the season. Yeah. And the other guy I would look at in that range would be T.Y. Hilton, which is just the opposite end of the spectrum. And, and maybe he's just scorcher himself at this point. But <laughs> uh, he's projecting a little bit better than Claypool. Will probably be less owned. And, you know, it's a good spot at home against Cincinnati. So it's like, man, if, if he doesn't have a good game soon, I think you can take him out behind the shed. Yeah, that's a that's a tough thing, too, because uh, on the one hand, they've been running the ball and they've been in pretty good game script, so they haven't need needed to throw. On the other hand, Phillip Rivers looks totally noodle arm dusted. So that that's yeah. a tough one to unpack. Yeah, and I think T.Y. hasn't had a game over 100 yards in like 20 games or something wild. So that's not really what you're looking for when you're looking for, uh, you know, elite ceilings and GPPs. But, you know, maybe he's got one left in him for his grandma. There you go. Uh, I was using this as a dummy lineup in here for the week six bankroll challenge league. If you're watching on my YouTube channel, I have the link down below. It looks like we still got about 50 to 60 spots in here. If you guys want to come compete, Davis Maddock is already in the mix over here. He took it down two weeks ago, which really steamed my beans. I will not let that happen again. Wiggins, this has been fun, buddy. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Any, uh, you know, I backed myself into De- uh, DeAndre Swift week here. Do, Wiggins, you want to give the people a, a gold star lock or uh, tell them to just tune in tonight to uh, establish the show? Yeah, you got to tune in tonight. I mean, usually I spend all day Friday. I try and wait as long as I can because there's always so much in flux with the injuries. And at least by Friday, maybe you start to have an idea of who's going to play and who's not. Uh, and by then, all the content for the most part is out for the week. So really... What I do is I just sit down Friday morning and, and just work all day uh, until we do the show. So Levitan's in town right now. I got to go have lunch with him. So I guess he's going to cut into my into my research a little bit, but we'll be ready by the show. Uh, oh, man, Saturday. your lineups are going to get so much chalkier after lunch with uh, Levitan <laughs> today. Uh, that's that's fun. So, yeah, uh, housekeeping plugs things. You got establish the show tonight with Wiggins, Silva, and Levitan. You got him wake and bake slash wake and rake with Leone on Sunday mornings. That's a nice addition to the the Sunday content stream. He does his recap reviews on Monday. As far as us, I will be back on Monday with my review here on my channel in Roto Grinders. We will will keep the good stuff rolling there. And uh, I also created a Discord link. There was uh, some interest in having a Discord link. It is called the Deposit Kingdom, already some uh, good chatter going on in there. I have the link in my show notes on my channel. If you guys want to hop in there, talk GPP tournament strategy, sign up for the league. If you want to compete, subscribe to the YouTube channels, hit the like button. This has been the Bankroll Challenge live build. Thank you to Andrew Wiggins. We'll see you guys next time.